Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dallas Montague. It's great to be back here in the studio today. It's actually been, I think, a few weeks since I've been recording. Um, It's been pretty crazy here in my life in Brazil. Just a quick story. Recently, um, I found out that I was illegal here in Brazil, and it's been a crazy process for me. They changed the law in Brazil, and so um, I didn't have to have a visa. And recently, I went to the federal police station to try to uh, see what I needed to do with my situation. And they gave me a fine and said I had 30 days to become legal. And it's been a, literally the most crazy thing I've ever done in my in my entire life. I've had to go to to different places in the city. I've had to take the train two hours one direction, get in a train and take it two hours the other direction, go to this federal building, go to that federal building, you know, trying to solve this problem. And so it's, I apologize for you guys for not putting out other podcasts. Um, it's been pretty sad. I just got some new equipment too. And so, um, this is my first podcast with my new equipment, so I'm really excited about this podcast today and moving forward. So thank you guys so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast, and I really look forward to our podcast today with George Cicernos. Before we get started, I just want to share a quick testimony. This past Sunday, I preached a message at a church about knowing God, and my whole life I believed that I knew God, and I grew up from a, a pretty young age knowing God, going to church, raising my hands up in worship. Uh, praying to God, you know, those things. And I knew who God was. And then later in my life, a part of my testimony is I, some of you may know, I turned to drugs and that kind of directed my life for a few years. And it really changed everything. It changed my family situation. It changed my, my life, really. It changed my life in a horrible, horrible way. And eventually I, I turned back to God and he changed my life again. And now I'm serving God as a missionary. But about that story is I thought that I knew God. And I think it's a lie that we believe in the church that it's just good enough to go to church. It's good enough to just go to church and to be a Christian. But I really believe that there's more than that. I really believe that there's another level on top of just going to church. We're not called to look like a church. We're not called to just go to church. We're called to look like Jesus. And so this past Sunday, I preached a message at a church called There's Levels to This. And I was talking about Matthew chapter 13, when the people, when Jesus says that he had little honor in his hometown because of their lack of faith, because they knew Jesus. And I think so many times we're, we're so used to that. Like we grew up in the church. It's common to go to church, you know, and just sit in the church, all those things. But what really hit me is that those people, their lack of faith is because they thought that they knew Jesus. And they, Jesus wasn't allowed to do many miracles there. It doesn't say that he was able to do any. It just says he wasn't able to do many. And so I believe that there's another level. I believe that there's some people that went past just going to church. I believe there were some people who went past just knowing the scriptures. 
And I think there's levels to this, really. I think level one in our life is just living outside of the will of God. And I think level two is living in the permissive will of God, where God allows, but he doesn't prefer. It's a place in our life that says salvation, but not transformation. It's a place that says, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I should be. And so many times we stay in that place of just salvation because we don't experience transformation. We get in this place where we think that we know God and that's it. You know, I go to church, I raise my hands, I pray every night. And I did that too for a, for many, many, many years. And I was still a drug addict. I was still in a life of drugs and sin. And so what I'm trying to say is that there's more, no matter how old you are, no matter what uh, country you grew up in, no matter what language you speak, there's still more for you. Maybe you go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and you serve in the church and maybe your dad's a pastor or you used to be an elder, whatever the case may be, there's still more for you. And so I just want to give you this message before we get into the podcast with George Cicernos today is that there's still more. There's still higher levels for you. Never be content with just where you are. I'm in a time in my life that I just shared that it's a crazy, crazy time in my life right now, living in a country that's not my own, a language that I don't speak. Uh, they speak Portuguese here in Brazil. And it's just been the hardest thing I've ever done, really. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And there's still more. There's still higher levels for me to go. Yes, I've been serving God this entire year doing missions, but there's still more for me. There's still more. And I'm really excited about this podcast today with George Cicernos. Uh, George is a missionary in Guatemala, and he moved his family, his entire family to Guatemala eight years ago. And he's adopted four children in Guatemala. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear about his testimony, about the times, his stories there, uh, the ministry that he started there, ordinary ministries. And before we get to it, I'm going to give you a quick word from our sponsors, and then we'll jump right on with George. Thank you. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. After working as an engineer in a nuclear power plant division, Christian apologist M.C. Talbot accepted the call of God in his life to become a preacher and instructor in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. He has served in California and Maryland and continues to serve God's people in the great city of Orlando, Florida. Reverend Talbot has the right book for you. Whether you are a Christian new in your walk or not, his new book, Courageous Christianity for the 21st Century, An Introduction to Basic Christian Theology, will refresh and inspire you. Check out this book and others on his website, www.studyyourfaith.org. Are you looking for the best and easiest way to make money online? Join Robbie Blanchard in a free training at linctrader.com. That's linc. T-R-A-D-E-R.com. In this free training, Robbie will show you how to generate a passive income promoting informative products that people are just dying to use. Zero experience necessary to become a success with this system. Contact Robbie at linctrader.com today. You're not going to want to miss this free training. George, how are you today? Hey, Dallas. I am good. Thanks. It's great to have you here in the studio today. You're a missionary in Guatemala, is that correct? That's right, yeah. I'm excited to talk with you today about our conversations about your time in Guatemala. You and your wife went to Guatemala about seven and a half years ago, and I've been in Brazil for almost five months now, and so I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, I, I'm excited too. To begin our podcast, can you just open up with your testimony about five to ten minutes 
maybe in the beginning of what led you to Jesus? Wow. Uh, what led me to Jesus? Um, it's crazy because I, I feel like I grew up my whole life uh, as a Christian. And I think what I felt that meant at the time was just, you know, going to church as often as I could, um, praying before meals and and trying not to, to sin a lot. Like that was kind of what I, I felt was my Christian life. Um, but actually what happened was I would say it was about nine years ago. So it was uh, 2010, November. I was just sitting alone in my basement. I remember I was watching my favorite football team, the Denver Broncos, and they just lost a game. And so I turned the TV off. I was just sitting in my basement. And I don't know why God chose to talk to me that day, but that day he chose to talk to me. And I will say that, you know, that's not something that has happened a lot or happens a lot, but um, I really felt God asking me, do you love me? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, of course. George, can I, I ask you a question about yeah, that? Of course. Was that an audible voice or was that a, like in your heart voice? No, it wasn't audible. It was just kind of, that was just a, like a feeling that I was having. I felt like God was talking to me. It was this conversation okay. I was having really through my spirit, I guess, through my, through my heart. Yeah. I had to ask because some people have some amazing testimonies of like, God audibly spoke to me in a voice. I'm like, okay, I got to know. So thank you. Keep going. <laughs> no, that's all right. So, so, you know, do you love me? And I'm, I mean, my knee jerk reaction is of course I love you. But then he asked me, do you love me more than you love your wife? And wow. I paused and, you know, I know you have a girlfriend right now and uh, you know how much time, you know, you love to spend time with her. I love spending time with my wife. We have coffee every morning. Uh, you know, we cry with each other, we laugh with each other. And so, you know, uh, I, I obviously I want to be honest with God. And I said, I love my wife more than I love you. And then he asked me, do you love me more than you love your kids? And this time it just kind of rolled off my tongue quicker because, you know, I adore my kids. Like I would die for my kids. I, we currently have eight kids. We, um, we just adopted four kids uh, just over a year ago. But if any one of my eight kids needed my heart, I would give it to them. So I, I said, I love my kids more than I love you. And then he said, he asked me, do you love me more than you love the Denver Broncos? Which is kind of a funny question. But, you know, bef before I really answered that uh, with my heart, I had, had to think about it. I thought, you know, I just watched my team for three hours in a, you know, straight, as you know, that's, that's what a lot of Americans do and people all across the world, right? They watch their team for hours on end. And I, every Sunday I did that. And I thought to myself, I've never spent three hours alone with God ever. Like I'd never prayed for three straight hours. I had never read my Bible for three straight hours. And I do this, this, Thing every single Sunday. Sometimes, as you know, we watch two games and we'll spend six or seven hours and it's crazy. And so, you know, I wondered to myself, do I really love God? So that night I, I remember, you know, going to bed and laying in bed with my wife. We have this thing where we just kind of hold hands and we're staring up at the ceiling in the dark and we're talking and I'm telling her about this conversation I had and I made a commitment that night to stop praying. 
And I stopped praying for my business. We owned a couple of very successful small businesses. I stopped praying for my health. I stopped praying for my safety. Like anything that was personal, I traded all my personal prayers for one forward prayer. And that, uh, that forward prayer, the entire, for an entire year, I prayed, I love you, God. God, I love you. And that was it for an entire year. So, you know, anytime that I felt like praying for myself, which, you know, praying for health, wealth, and prosperity, you know, I traded it out and I just said, God, I love you. And so I did that for a year. That was uh, November of 2010. The following November in 2011, I found myself in Guatemala. It was my very first missions trip. And it was actually just myself. My wife stayed home at the time. We had four kids. Um, and so she stayed home while I got to go to Guatemala city. There was no like huge call from God to go to Guatemala city or anything like that. I just really felt like, um, that's something I wanted to do at that point in my life. I remember. Did you go I, with a group? Or you yeah, just I did. Actually, we went with our church. I went with our church and there was a group of probably weirdly. So this is kind of side note. I think there were about 20 of us, maybe, maybe 18, something like that. Of the 18 people, um, myself and two other families, so my family and then the other two families, they moved to Guatemala to be missionaries um, almost exactly a year later. And we all, from that one trip, which is really super weird, it just doesn't happen. So anyway, I find myself on this this missions trip. And I remember walking in the back door. We went to serve at this orphanage, but I remember walking in the back door of this feeding center. Uh, we spent one afternoon at a feeding center and there were a sea of kids. There was like 200 kids. So in November, there's not, there's no school in November in Guatemala. And so there was just packed with kids. I remember walking in the back and just seeing them all kind of just shuffling around. And at some point the, uh, the praise and worship starts, you know, starts up and they start um, playing their music and singing. And as soon as the praise and worship started up, all that, like every kid, they all stood up and they started clapping and singing along. And, and within a, a few minutes, like, I don't know, half of the kids are putting their hands in the air and they are just praising God. It was, it was unbelievable. These kids are like poor, poor. You know, like this is probably the only meal they're going to eat that day poor. You know, I remember standing at the back of the room and watching these kids and I realized, wow, they love God. And you could, I mean, you could not just see it, but you just feel it. You could feel the Holy Spirit just like pouring into that room. And it was on that day watching those kids that I realized I loved God too. I remember God telling me that day, um, I don't want you on Sundays and I don't want you when you have time. I want all of you follow me. And seven months later, my family and I sold our house. So we were living in our dream house and went this little town, Windsor, Colorado. We had built the house. Um, we owned two, you know, like I said, successful small businesses we had sold everything. Seven months later, we were uh, moving to Guatemala. Here's the crazy thing. I remember, uh, 
so two two small kind of side notes to that story is on the way to Guatemala, I, I remember going, checking in at the Denver International Airport uh, at the front desk and the lady, just kind of a funny story, the lady is like, oh, Mr. Cisneros, it looks like uh, you have been upgraded to first class. And so I just want to make sure that you're okay with that. And I, I had no idea because I generally don't travel. And so I'm like, well... Sure, I was kind of freaked out because I didn't know if I had to pay more or whatever. And so I said, yeah, that's, that sounds great. So I sat in first class from Denver to uh, Dallas. And then um, in Dallas, I, you know, we're waiting for our, uh, our connecting flight. I go up to the front desk again, kind of like, you know, thinking, wow, would that be cool? And so I get to the front desk, same thing. This, the, the attendant's like, Mr. Cisneros, it looks like you've been bumped to first class. Would you would you like to fly first class today? I'm like, yes. This time I was like, uh, I, I mean, let me just tell you, if if you ever have the chance to fly first class for free, especially, uh, I would do it because it was just cool. It was fun. And so, anyway, we get to Guatemala. Uh, I, this this crazy thing happens to me at this feeding center. Um, you know, my wife is not with me, and so we we're coming back. I am not thinking about first class at all. It is the farthest thing from my mind. And I go to the front desk in Guatemala City. We're flying back to Dallas. And again, Mr. Cisneros, you've been bumped up to first class. And um, so on the way back, it was weird because there were only two of us in first class. And everybody else, you know, were ba- basically back in the, the cattle car of, <laughs> of regular seats. And I remember because I was on one side and there was a lady on the other side. And I had my sunglasses on. And I sat near the window and I just bawled, like bawled to myself. I, I didn't, I wasn't crying out loud, but I just had tears streaming down my, my face, realizing what was going on. Because I, I promise you that when I left to Guatemala, I had zero chance of becoming a missionary. Like there is no way we would become missionaries, zero chance. And, and now here I am you know, six days later, going back to Colorado, sitting on this, this plane, just bawling my eyes out and uh, realizing that we're going to sell everything. And also realizing that I, you know, I've, I've got to talk to my wife about this. And I basically just made this deal. I'm like, listen, I'll go, but you, you know, you got to talk to my wife. So um, you can imagine that, and, and, you know, as a missionary, you know that those those types of things, um, you just remember all the details, right? I remember getting home from that missions trip. I remember, you know, we got in late. I think it was like 11 o'clock and uh, driving home in the snow. It had just snowed, walking up to, to my front door. And uh, I, I actually had the only tracks in the snow, opened the front door. Of course, everybody's in bed. Um, my wife came down and met me at the, at the door, walked upstairs and, and just gave all the kids, uh, you know, just kind of woke them up. And I said, I'm home, give them the kiss on the cheek. And then, you know, went to bed with my wife and we're laying there and I'm telling her about this week. And, and, and then I'm telling her about this conversation. Um, gosh, it's just so emotional. I was just thinking about it, but I'm, uh, you know, and we're laying there and we're holding hands and we're staring into the ceiling and I, I told her, you know, what God was asking. Uh, and she, it was, it was silent. And then she just said one word. And all she said was, okay. 
And that was it. Like uh, there was, there, there was really no conversation. This is how crazy it was is we got up the next day, uh, talk, talking to the kids. And, and I think there were like nine, 10, 11 ish in that, in that age range, maybe it was nine, 10 and 12. Um, and we're talking to the kids and that day, the next day we told our kids what we were doing. The next day, we called a real estate agent, and uh, this was now like December 2nd, I think. And so we decided to put our house on the market uh, after New Year's, after Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we put our house on the market early January, and we landed in Guatemala City seven months later on July 12th. And um, that was the first time my wife had ever been to Guatemala, my wife and kids. And, and we have, uh, she's still on her, her first missions trip or her first visit here. And so we've been here. So that's, that's our story. Have you guys been back in the States since? We have. So we, um, we actually, for the first year, we decided to stay in Guatemala city or sorry, in Guatemala for a year and a half, uh, so that we would allow our kids to kind of get, acclimated to the country and just kind of get settled in because if we took them back you know every six months I, it would, might be harder for them to 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 get used to it and so my our kids were actually you know crying they you know they didn't know what was going on and and I told them I said listen if we're gonna go for a year and if you guys if this is not working out and we'll have a family meeting and if this doesn't work out um, we will come back. And not only will we come back because we sold everything, dude. So we'll, when we come back, we'll give you $500 to kind of rebuy the stuff that we're selling. And, and that kind of made these little kids, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old. <clears throat> yeah. So they're like, okay. So they were cool with that. And then a year later, you know, we sat down, we, had, we, we actually are one of those, you know, TV families that we actually have family meetings. We sat down with them and, uh, they joked around at first, like, no, we want to go back. Where's the money? And, but then they, um, they're like, no, we don't, we love it. We want to stay. And, and so I don't even remember what your question was, but there you yeah, go. I have a few other questions with that actually. Um, first off, I'm really interested on why Guatemala, because, you know, that's really interesting in my story is why Brazil, you know? So I'm interested yeah. in that. second about your children. It's one thing to go to do missions with yourself. Another yep. thing to do it with your wife. It's a whole yeah. nother ball game going to do missions with your children, you know, and yeah, putting man. them in that culture, speaking another language, you know, all those different things. So how did you overcome that uh, first? Yeah. Just first answer the question with why Guatemala? So really Guatemala is, is where I felt God was calling us. And, and here's the thing with our story, the truth of the matter is, and it's still this way today, we're kind of on this need to know basis like he's like, follow me. And we're like, okay. So we did. Matter of fact, when we, when we decided, we're like, okay, let's go. We're going to be missionaries. We had zero idea what that even meant. Like we all of a sudden we realized, uh, how, how are we going to like live? Like, do we keep our businesses in the States going? Like, what do we do? We were just being obedient. And so, and I really believe Dallas that, that really our obedience has made all the difference in everything that we've done and, and every, every part of this ministry, we just keep saying yes. And he keeps, you know, moving us forward. So that's, that's, we just felt called to Guatemala. We felt like that's where he called us. Yeah. And the second with your children there, first off, 
did your children learn Spanish like so, as soon as they got there or things like that? Yeah, so um, I actually have a uh, I'm, I, I have uh, ancestry from uh, Mexico as, as well as Spain, but my parents never spoke Spanish to us. Um, it was just one of those things back in the, you know, when I was born, it was a bad thing to, to speak Spanish in the United States. And so we never learned. I never learned. I didn't know Spanish. My parents, my wife is blonde hair, blue eyed. She didn't know Spanish. And not that that matters, <laughs> but um, so my kids didn't know Spanish. I think like, I think they knew like taco and burrito, things like that, but that's pretty much it. So we got to Guatemala and we got here August 12th. So mid August, uh, maybe a week or 10 days later was the beginning of school. And so there's a missionary kids school in Guatemala city that we enrolled our kids in. My wife uh, volunteered there and during that year of school, they, um, they took Spanish classes directly from uh, Guatemala nationals, which was really cool. At the end of one year, they almost knew no Spanish. Like it, it, was, uh, it's, it was just like the States, you know, you take language classes in the States and after three years, you know, you're, you're fortunate to find the bathroom. It's, um, so we decided at this point, you know, obviously our ministry is, is starting to get going. And so at this point we, we realized, listen, you know, in order for them to be effective and for us to be effective, we have to get serious about learning Spanish. I actually was studying Spanish and, and learning it. Um, but my, we enrolled our kids in a Guatemalan school. It was a private school, but it was a Guatemalan school where they just speak Spanish. And, uh, so in one semester, all three of my kids were fluent. And to this day, they, they actually still, they all speak better than I do. That's crazy. <laughs> I love it. But dude, le- dude, let me tell you, it was brutal. Like it was absolutely brutal. Like they, someone came home crying every day and some days they all came home crying. They were, you know, bullied uh, because they were different and from another country and all that stuff. So it, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. I want to cry every day. You know, living in Brazil and not speaking Portuguese and living in Asia and not speaking Thai or Khmer. But the good thing about Spanish and Portuguese compared to English, it's the same alphabet, you know, yeah. where in Asia, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I totally get where they're coming from. I couldn't imagine going to school where it's only speaking Portuguese for me. Like, that's insane. So it was sink or swim. Like we basically threw them into the deep end, but they are so grateful. They have multiple times told us throughout the years. We're so grateful for that. And I know it's difficult to, to speak for your children, but um, with your family, many meetings that you have, um, yep. do they consider themselves as missionaries as well, or just children who are parents or missionaries? Um, so it goes, it's kind of this ebb and flow. So right now uh, my two boys are, and actually all three of my kids were part of um, leadership at youth group at our church. And so they were, you know, part of that. I don't think they would consider that necessarily missions work, but they're learning to be leaders. Um, and so now just my two sons are doing it. My daughter has graduated from high school and she's working on writing and, and kind of trying to figure out where to go next. Um, she does want to serve. She's looking at maybe India or, Africa. And so, you know, she's, she's got plans. She, she would like to get into maybe India with like a teaching degree or a nursing degree, something she'll need something like that. So she's considering those options, but no, I don't, you know, I think it would be, here's the thing Dallas is, um, and this is just for you to consider also just, you know, as you 
you know, one day you'll get married and you'll have kids and just, it's so important. And this is, this is brutally important is, uh, we really felt like our first ministry that God gave us was when we were in the States and that was to raise our kids to know and love Jesus. And so to, for us to come here and um, change priorities didn't make sense. And so they have always been our priority in our first ministry. Um, and so uh, we are just raising them. And let me tell you, man, I don't, I don't, I can't even, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, man, my kids, they love God. They love Jesus. My son, my oldest son graduates from high school this year, his gap year, he's going to be, uh, he's applied for, I'm sure he'll be going to David Platt, uh, his radical gap year. And so, uh, he'll spend, I think it's like nine months in Virginia. And then they actually fly to a country somewhere in Asia where they've never heard the gospel and they spend a month, uh, doing that and uh, sharing the gospel, but they'll spending, they'll spend nine months learning about missionary work and missions and, and stuff like that. So yeah, man, it's um, your kids can't help, but get uh, you know, just get surrounded and saturated with the Holy spirit, you know, when, when they see it now, let me tell you this, they, they participate all the time. A lot of times they will translate for teams that come to visit us. Um, they multiple times have gone with me and we're, we're praying over someone who is sick or going, delivering food to a family that, you know, is kind of in a crisis situation. So they're big participants, but I don't know that they would consider themselves missionaries, but they are definitely like missionaries in training. Hmm, that's really interesting. I like it. I think it's difficult to raise children that love Jesus these days. Like, Yes, it's amazing. And I think you're right. That's our first calling is we're supposed to raise our children to love Jesus. But so many times we have preachers, children and uh, preach, uh, missionary children who definitely go the other way, you know. And so I think it's an amazing thing when those children love Jesus, just like their parents. Absolutely. I think it's really important. And next question. So in Guatemala, you've been there for about seven years. So once you got there and kind of got the children acclimated to the to the culture, um, started learning Spanish. What next? What happened next? Wow. So um, I think it took a little while to like uh, shake my Americanism off, my uh, American Christianity off. And what I mean by I that. I definitely understand what you're saying by that. <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal, man. I got to Guatemala. My kids are off. We got them settled. We we're settled into this little house. We They're off to school. My wife's off to school. And I am Again, we're just on a need to know basis and I'm, I'm praying to God and what I wanted to do. And if, if it was up to me, I was going to put all of our luggage in like one room and run out the front door and like build a house for some poor family or go feed some people or go, you know, do something. Um, I, I just felt like I needed to do something because as Americans, we like want to accomplish stuff and we want to check things off our list and, and I thought, you know, I mean, I say this jokingly, but it, I kind of had this this feeling like, man, give me like two years and, and I will like take care of Guatemala and then we can find another country, you know. And so I'm praying about it and praying about it. my wife's praying with me. And this is what kept coming back. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, but, you know, are you sure? But what kept coming back was I want you to spend time with me. Like, remember, I just just spent an entire year uh, 
you know, telling God I love him and falling, really what it, what it came down to is falling in love with God for the first time. And so now he's like, just spend time with me and, and learn Spanish. And so, dude, think about this. Uh, and I, I feel your pain, but for six months, all I did was read the Bible, pray and study Spanish for six months straight, which, which, you know, we came about 65% financially supported with some savings from selling our businesses and, um, and so can you imagine these donors, they're like, so like, you know, what's going on? But in, in six months and, and that's all I was doing, no one questioned it. Everyone trusted it. And, um, and I didn't know at the time, like it, I didn't understand the value of that, but that was the whole deal. Like that was everything. And so again, it just came down to just being obedient. Cause if it was up to me, I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. So we get to, um, so now this, you know, we got there in July. So, uh, in, in January, I started visiting this village that is out in the mountains of Guatemala and just getting to know people. Um, I met the principal of the, the school and, you know, we just, it was crazy because, you know, in the beginning we had no resources. As a matter of fact, we were draining our savings every single month and it was a big hole and it was draining fast. And we knew we had about two years of savings to go along with, with our support that, you know, we're going to run dry at some point. But all, so all we had to offer, which again was just amazing love by Jesus, all we had was prayer. And so we would just get to know people are like, how can we pray for you? And then we would hear, you know, then before you know it, people are like, Hey, could you guys come pray for my grandma? Or could you guys come pray for my husband or whatever? And so, um, that's kind of how it started. We just started out, you know, praying for people. So we, we, that's how we, that, that built up who we were that told people who we were, we were here to just pray, pray for people. And, and I, I, I mean, crazy as it is, um, I mean, we saw actual miracles. Like we saw people who should have died live. And um, it was, it was, it was a really cool time of ministry is really just everything that you would hope it would be. It was just beautiful. And so we, um, we, at some point, I want to say it was like that July we started, it was the middle of the school year. And we now were pretty clear that God uh, had called us to Guatemala to raise boys, to be men of God, to make disciples. Um, we felt that if we were to teach, you know, some of the older men in the community uh, and, and teach them uh, the word of God, that it, it would just be uh, harder. They have more habits that are harder to change and they've got busy lives. And so we just were like, okay, let's go to the beginning. Let's, let's raise them up from a younger age. And so Again, we didn't know why, but we just started doing that. So we started a boys academy, which is basically an after-school program where we had about eighty boys come uh, throughout the week. We started out actually at at the elementary school where we would teach them. We would feed them a hot meal. Uh, we would um, teach them a short Bible lesson, kind of a kid Bible lesson, and then we would help them with their homework. And we play soccer, and that was kind of what we did for that first year. And just kind of going along, just teaching these Bible basics. And, and we eventually, uh, after that first uh, year, we moved into a little rented house, this tiny little brick home that was miserably hot and really loud when it rained. And 
but we, that's what we had. And so we rented it. I think it was like 50 bucks a month. And uh, we just kept doing that. We did that for uh, four years. So we're at the end of four years, we now had, so we, we were teaching third through sixth graders. And so now our third graders were graduating from the sixth grade. And I remember Dallas that uh, I was on my way back, by the way, I've never gotten bumped to, to first class. I think God was like, yeah, man, it's going to be this way every time. It's never, it's never been that way. So we're on our way back to Colorado for some fundraising. And um, my wife and her are talking. She's like, so, so listen, we've been doing this for four years. Like, are we raising boys to be men of God? Like, is this where we're supposed to be? And it was just so devastating because the answer was no. Like these kids that were graduating from the sixth grade, really just like they were kids and they just, they, 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 it, it wasn't, they weren't men of God in any way, shape or form. And it was just so frustrating. And so we, you know, we were on our knees and we're looking for guidance. God, we like, we know this is what you want us to do. You need to show us the way. So we, uh, what we ended up doing is establishing and building a private Christian middle school. So middle school in Guatemala is seventh, eighth and ninth grade. And we, um, the reason we did that was for, for one class. And so every morning at 8 a.m. till 9 a.m., we have Bible study. That's the first class of the day. It's the longest class of the day. All the classes are 45 minutes. Bible is an hour to an hour and 15 minutes every morning. And we teach the Bible. And, um, and then they have math and science, and we feed them lunch and snacks and you know, all that stuff. And we have some amazing teachers so at the end of the first year, so now every year in October, we go back to Colorado to do some fundraising for projects that we're doing and um, like building, building a middle school and a clinic and other things. So we're on the plane. And again, my wife's like, so do you think now at the end of three years that these boys will be ready to go out and, and truly seek after God? And I said, Babe, I think that there are some right now in one year that are ready to go out and that are out, that are actually seeking after God. Like it was crazy. So you have to understand in the beginning, they're getting maybe 15 minutes or half an hour a week of like this kid Bible study. So what we decided to do is we teach directly from the Bible. We don't have any kind of, you know, teenage, uh, you know, I don't know, curriculum, uh, you know, how to be a good kid or it means all we do is read directly out of the Bible. And as a matter of fact, these last two years, we read through the book of Luke. It took us two years studying Luke every single morning. It took us two years to get through the book of Luke. So we go pretty deep. Like some days I'll go in with this, you know, long message, you know, that's, that covers, you know, two or three pages. And I end up reading, you know, one scripture, one verse, and and we spend an hour on that, just praying over and talking about and learning from God about that one verse. And dude, I I I, I wish like I wish I could bottle this and share with people like when God shows up, when the Holy Spirit shows up and does the teaching, and I feel like I'm just there listening. I've prepared this whole lesson, and and God just comes in. It's like yeah, but. This is what we're going to learn today. It's just, um, ah, it, it's it's just amazing. It's something that um, I'm super humbled to be a part of. It's a good plumb line, really. I mean, why mess around with other criteria? 
uh, curriculum criteria when you could just teach out of the Bible, you know, and you're raising disciples. You know, the thing is, I think Americans, I think, I think American churches, I think Americans in general don't give kids enough credit. Like these middle school kids are like soaking in it. Like, dude, the things that they have learned. So at the end of this three years, we had our first graduating class. That was three years ago. So we just had our first graduating class. At the end of that, I'm like, okay, what have you learned in three years? I wanted to make a list of things they had learned. It was mind blowing. Like I, I, I left that day and we ended up, it ended up being three days. I thought, okay, let's talk about what have you learned with that open ear Bible? Just what have you learned in three years? And we did that for three days in a row. And because they just kept, you know, telling me all these different things that I was I, the first day I left, I came home and, you know, I don't know where my family was, but it was just me. And I just sat in our living room and I just, man, I was just wanted to cry. I was just unbelievably emotional. And so we don't give our kids, you know, listen, these teen devotionals, we researched it. We didn't know. We originally were like, okay, and go to the internet sometime, look for like teen curriculum for, you know, teaching the Bible or teen devotionals, go to Amazon. There's nothing out there. It's all crap. Really at the end of the day, it's just really not very good stuff. And so we just trusted God with the Bible, of course. Right. And we're like, there's some things like, you know, the first year we read through, we actually learned about, you know, men of the Bible and we read a lot of, you know, of the Old Testament and we learned, you know, uh, Abraham and Isaac. And I mean, there's some stuff that goes on in the Old Testament uh, with, you know, daughters and dads and stuff that goes on. We just studied right through it. I literally am like a couple times. I'm like, man, do we like, do we do this? Do we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah? Do we like, how do we do this? And then at the end of the day, it was perfect and they could handle it and God took care of it. And yeah. And you, you created these things called safe houses. No, no. So what, what the deal is, it, it's actually kind of an anomaly. It's not something that we, that normally happens, but um, so we, we actually are partnered with uh, another missionary couple. They, they're from Colorado. They came out and they lived with us for a year and a half. And at the end of that year and a half, they're like, yeah, you know what? We're, we're going to start this uh, nutrition program, things like that. So anyway, uh, they, they actually have been working out of our clinic, which is uh, below, we live above the clinic. They've been working out of that clinic uh, for the last year and a half, two years. And one of the young moms who was in that program uh, with her son. So her son was malnourished. Uh, he had scabies and he, I mean, he was a, a, a health mess. And so she, the, they were working with uh, the clinic and one day Carly called me up and she said, Hey, could you come down? I, I have a question for you. So I went down and she basically explained that this young girl um, who was in her program that her, it wasn't her husband, but the baby's daddy and they were living together. Um, she said that her husband is threatening her. And he said that he's going to chop her up into pieces. So he's an alcoholic. He's going to chop her up into pieces and throw her into a well and nobody would ever find her. So she, came to us, uh, seeking help. And so, uh, we said, listen, you can't go home. We are going to find a safe place for you. So we made a bunch of calls. And, uh, by the end of the day, we had a place for her and we told her, listen, there's this place in Guatemala city called the refuge where, uh, there's some other missionaries that work there. You can go stay there. They'll help you through this. They have counseling and they have, um, you know, obviously daycare and they have a, a room for you and your son and all this stuff. 
So, um, you know, we're excited about it and we're telling her about this. And, and she said, well, um, I, I'm going to give him one more chance. And, and then if, if, if he does it again, I will, I'll go. And of course, you know, we're just like, ugh, like we know what that means. Yeah. So, um, Carly is actually, she was a, an emergency room nurse in Colorado. And so she had seen this before and she's like, uh, Heidi, listen, if you, if you do this, I've worked in, in the emergency room and, and when the girls come back, they're used beat up. And then she just told her, or they're dead. So, you know, I, I really want to encourage you to go to, to Guatemala City. So she didn't, she went back home and, um, and then, uh, I think it was like two days later, uh, Carly had left. She and her husband went back to the United States for, for uh, a couple, couple of weeks. And our neighbor called and said, Hey, Heidi, Heidi would like to talk to you. And I went and I talked to Heidi and, and she said, Hey, I want to go. And, uh, she had talked about suicide. She said, uh, she wants to kill herself and she wanted to kill her son. And she said, uh, so I'm worried and I want to go to this safe house. So anyway, we took her to the safe house and she, long story short, she spent eight months there and it was absolutely amazing. She literally just left the safe house about, um, I don't know, maybe a month ago. And so we've helped her get set up, uh, at her mom's in a room and, you know, getting her set up with beds and clothes and things like that. So she's doing really, really well. I'm super proud of her, but you know, things like that, that's clearly has nothing to do with our middle school, but that, as you know, as a missionary, that stuff just happens all the time. I'm just like, we live in this tiny little village in, in the mountains of Guatemala. And so people are at our door, you know, periodically. So. Wow. Incredible. And you said that you have adopted four children from Guatemala. We have, dude. Wow. So, um, how do I say this? So it's been a year. So November, uh, last year is when we adopted them and they're four siblings. Um, their dad was abusive. And as a matter of fact, he, uh, was last time we knew in court for trying to sell, uh, one of uh, a daughter from another marriage, um, trying to sell her. And uh, they're both uh, alcoholics and, you know, had uh, given two of the kid, the two older kids away. And so all the, all this stuff. So anyway, we uh, were able to adopt them a year ago. And I don't even know how to say this other than in, in all the time we've been in Guatemala. And I can say in all of my life, I have never felt like, uh, the scripture, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me like I do with these four kids. It is, I, I mean, you know, you, you want it to be this like huge romantic thing. And, and, and let me, let me spoil it for you. It is really awesome and romantic and it's beautiful now, but the first, the first three months, uh, the first week I, I truly, I remember waking up thinking there's no way we're going to do this because there was all kinds of emotional problems. And I mean, it was, I can't even tell you, but we're like, how, I don't know how we're going to survive this. I truly, and like, I'm not even kidding. I didn't know if we could survive this. And so a week goes by two weeks, three weeks. And by the, at the end of the first month, I'm thinking, 
there's no way we're going to survive this yet. There we were, we were surviving it. And then I think in about three months, it's, it started to change a little bit and there was just like this little bit of improvement and a little bit more trust on their side and a little bit more trust on our side. And we just kept loving them because they were like these incredibly empty tanks and we just kept pouring in, pouring in and as, as much as we would pour in, it would just drain back out. And, um, here we are a year later, and I can't even tell you the incredible joy and happiness that we all have. It's just, uh, it's amazing. I mean, listen, there's still kids and, you know, we now have, so I have an older daughter who's a nurse and she lives in Colorado. She's 29 years old, but that's, but in this house, uh, we have seven kids, three of them are teenagers. So can you imagine we're getting ready to like empty the clip and we reload and we've got four little ones and, and we adopted them. They were uh, two, four, five, and six, something like that. I can't remember exactly, but so they're little kids they're little ones. And, um, but thank God, because listen, if we wouldn't have adopted them, I can, I can 100% say that they would have lived a life in an institution and they would have incredible, well, our daughter, uh, was born deaf. Um, so nobody even knew until she got to the orphanage where we found her that she was deaf. Um, and so she eventually got a cochlear implant that someone had raised the money for. And so she's in therapy every single day. We meet with a private therapist um, twice a week. And she's finally able to express herself and the, the incredible joy that she has from that. And um, it is, I, I say this a lot. I'm like, man, that, that may be the reason God brought us to Guatemala was for those four kids. But then I'll say, yeah, but maybe it was for Wilson, you know, who had this heart problem that nobody noticed for, I don't know, five years. And we end up getting him a heart surgery, a desperate heart surgery and, and end up his life ends up being saved. And we're like, maybe we came for Wilson or maybe we came for Heidi who may have, you know, it's like, but it, I, it's, it, that's the way it feels. It's like, it's, it's, it's been an amazing, amazing trip, man. It sounds incredible. It sounds like you've had a lot of journey in the last eight years and for your timeline, I know that God doesn't always reveal things to us, but just for you and your wife and maybe for your family, how long do you feel that you'd like to be in the mission field in Guatemala? Well, so we're, again, we're kind of on this need to know basis. Um, we have to be here for at least a couple of years, uh, you know, regarding the, the adoption, you have to stay in country for a while. So that's, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. We don't have plans to leave, but I will say that since we've gotten here, our hope and our goal is to, uh, raise up local Guatemalans to be able to take over this ministry and that we would be able to go and, and either do something like this or, or do whatever else God calls us to do. I can say this, we'll be missionaries forever. We won't ever go back and, and get jobs and, and uh, you know, live in the quote unquote world. So we'll always be missionaries. I don't know what that looks like or what that means, but um, we have, we have right now, I think there's 10 people working in this ministry, uh, 10 Guatemalans. And so the, the Bible study for the young kids, we still have the elementary program that is taught by and run by a Guatemalan. Um, pretty much everything uh, except for um, English class, which I teach uh, twice a week, but I am working on getting that transferred over. We actually have a, a Guatemalan who is fluent in like five languages. He's just amazing. And then um, uh, the only other thing, really the only thing left is teaching Bible in the morning. And until 
God reveals someone to me until somebody steps up. And it might be somebody that we're growing right now. It might be somebody in our ministry, like in our boys Academy, um, who is going to graduate. And, and, you know, we, we have, we've been open to that. So we don't know what that looks like, but that's really the last piece because, um, we don't want to be the guy, uh, God is the guy. And so we just want to be obedient and we want to, um, we want to do it in a, in a healthy, loving way. So, yeah, I absolutely understand. George, it's been amazing to speak with you. It's been amazing to hear your story, uh, hear your testimony, hear how God has changed your life and uh, your children's life and the people who have you been working with in Guatemala? Well, I listen, man, I, it's, uh, it's always, you know, for me, it's always just, I'm, I'm excited to brag about God and everything that he's been doing and um, wh- like all the glory to him. Uh, we, we feel humbled and privileged to be, to be here doing what we're doing. And just for our listeners, if there's a way that they can research you, a way that they can find you, do you have a website, um, social media platforms? Um, how can they contact you? Yeah. So listen, I, if, if people want to reach out to us or if they have any additional questions or anything like that, you know, we just love sharing, like I said, what God is doing. And so you can go to our um, website, our ministry page. It is Ordinary Missionaries. So just regular, OrdinaryMissionaries.org. And you can find us on Facebook under the same name, Ordinary Missionaries. You can find us on Instagram under the same name, under, uh, Ordinary underscore Missionaries. But um, and sign up for our newsletter. We would love to keep in touch with you. We send out a newsletter probably uh, once every three weeks. Uh, so it's kind of like a more like a newsletter snack. And um, yeah, I would I would love to uh, answer any questions and really just encourage people. So here's the the whole goal of our newsletter is to encourage people in their walk with God. So I, I want them to be able to say, wow, like this guy from Colorado who is not a pastor, he's never, you know, had training as a pastor or Bible. And, and, you know, here's a guy that is following God and he's doing it in a way that's just being obedient. That's it. And, um, if he can do it, I can do it. And you certainly don't have to come to Guatemala and you certainly don't, you know, really, in my opinion, I don't feel like you have to leave the United States. I think honestly, I think the United States is is in in need of missionaries as well because I, I think that um, I think that maybe we're off course a bit in some areas. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, George, for being a part of the podcast today. Awesome, I appreciate it, Dallas. And if you wouldn't, I don't know if you could put maybe in the show notes just our a link to our website and maybe yes. our email or something like that. Yep, I have that. And Jay, uh, George, to be able to end the podcast, would you be able to pray us out? Absolutely. I would love to. All right. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for trusting us with this ministry. Direct our steps, Lord. Put the people in front of us that you want us to love. Open our eyes and and just make it super clear to us. Make Make it obvious that they are the person that you want us to love today. You know, we can't do this without you. We We can't do life without you. We can't do ministry without you. God, thank you for blessing uh, this time that I have Dallas. Uh, I pray for him and the work that he's doing there and that he would be able to continue to, to glorify you in your name, Lord. May it always be all about you. Keep us humble and continue to break our hearts. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen.
You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. With your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.